Welcome to the Buick Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Marion, and in this podcast, we dive deep into the outdoors. We discuss hunting and fishing techniques, give you tips and tricks, tell stories, and everything in between to help you enjoy the outdoors. Today's podcast is brought to you by H-Hour Apparel. H-Hour Apparel is a veteran-owned company that represents the type of person that stays active, enjoys the outdoors, and can throw down one hell of a party. They give back to those who need it. Their main pillar is giving back to veterans and they donate to local and federal charities in order to help out fellow brothers and sisters in arms. This is how they adopted their slogan to show who they are and where they stand. We are born free and raised strong. Check them out at hourapparel.com and purchase one of their many shirts, hats, hoodies, stickers, or the very popular mystery bundle. And if you use promo code Buick Outdoors at checkout, you'll receive 20% off your order. That's hourapparel.com, promo code Buick Outdoors. Well, welcome back to another Buick Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Marion, and uh, just got back from a fishing trip to uh, Pince Rupert, BC. It was always a, always a blast going down there, getting to fish for about a week, went after salmon halibut prawns crab and uh we kind of kind of targeted octopus but it was more just i wanted to catch one and we ended up catching three big ones there that we end up keeping and taking to the fish processor and then we also caught in that one trap i think there was three or four little octopus they were maybe kind of like three inches long so those got sent overboard didn't uh, didn't keep them because the octopus too I, I really wanted to catch one of them because i love trying to cook new things up and uh i've been watching a lot of youtube videos and such and found uh, a lot of people that were cooking octopus and it didn't look all that bad and kind of curiosity got the best of me so yeah i really wanted to catch an octopus and uh actually caught one so <laughs> i was fairly surprised with that but yeah, that thing, it cooked up real nice too. That was awesome. Uh, pretty well cut the head off right underneath its eyes. Then you pull the beak out, and the beak, it's, man, it's like a parrot's beak. That thing is just hard as a rock. It's pretty cool looking. And then uh, pretty well blanched it in boiling water uh, three times. And then put it back into the water, turned off the heat, let it sit there for 20 minutes. And then I just sliced the legs off, took it out to the barbecue, and I kind of seared all sides of it, brushed on some uh, some barbecue sauce. And <clears throat> once as you peel the skin off, it man, that thing, it, it tasted like the kind of like the, the fat and the cartilage off of like a beef steak. It was phenomenal. So now I think that's going to be a yearly thing where however many octopus we catch, I think you're allowed two per day per person. So, uh, yeah, I think from now on, every time I catch an octopus, I'm keeping that thing. Because, man, it was it was delicious. And now I got, got an octopus in the freezer here, took it to the fish processor. They skinned it, and then they kind of divided it up. So one octopus is like four packages. So that will be pretty cool to try different things with. But uh, weather-wise, we had great weather while we were out there. Uh, there was a couple of days where the wind picked up pretty bad so we didn't go out but for the most part we had some rain a little bit of wind kind of high tides but 
you know, that's that's the ocean. You can't control any of that. You just kind of dress for the weather and go fish. But uh, one thing I, I do want to mention, too, while we're talking about weather is an app called Predict Wind. If you're doing any kind of uh, ocean fishing whatsoever, Predict Wind is, man, it's a must. Now, I never used it before up until this year, and what a lifesaver that thing could be. Uh, the one day you wake up and it was nice calm clear skies checked out predict wind and it was like oh boy by about 2 p.m we got to get back into town because it's calm and cool right now but by about 12 it's going to be about 15 knots of wind by about 2 p.m or 3 p.m whatever it was it's going to be like 20 to 25 knots of wind and seas of two meters and stuff and that's just bad news you don't want to be you don't want to be out on the ocean in that but uh yeah the boat that we use it's a uh, kingfisher 22 25 that's uh dad's boat there and that thing it's i don't want to say it's bulletproof but you can you go into uh you can go into some pretty bad weather with that boat and feel pretty safe but uh unfortunately for my cousin uh he has a 24 25 kingfisher and the design on that one I'm not going to get into it too much like this is going to be a complete different podcast for that boat because it's it's something that definitely needs to be talked about and Kingfisher should 100% absolutely look into fixing this problem because uh, there's a good chance somebody's going to sink their boat if they don't pretty well in the bow of the boat they're all self bailing bows but the waves that he was taking on uh, once the wave came over the bow the self bailers they weren't pushing the water out fast enough and then inside the cab on both your port and starboard side there's little shelves that you can put your stuff there but on his boat those shelves they go all the way through and into the bow so there's a big big opening and so once the wave would come over the bow it would hit that and it would send water into the cab and also into the back of the boat and uh the waves that they were in it honestly it didn't sound like it was bad weather but uh my dad was with him that day and in the back of the boat he was up to his knees in water bailing water out because the bilge pumps couldn't keep up and uh they actually ended up calling the coast guard so the coast guard sent out their uh quick response team and also their uh their big ass boat so the quick response team they showed up they boarded his boat they helped pail water out and then when the big boat showed up there it pretty well just went in front of wade's boat and was just breaking waves for him so he was just kind of driving his boat back into port there behind the big boat and just trying to keep all the water out as they can while they had all the bilge pumps on and yeah that was a yeah bad situation anyways and it's something that could be fixed and he ended up calling up kingfisher there and they said put tape over it but i don't know i think that boat would have been parked right at the factory in vernon if they told me that you know that 24 25 kingfisher now that boat is like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars you're telling me to stop the boat from sinking with two dollars worth of duct tape that yeah that thing would be for sale and sold right now if that was my boat 
it's not thank god but anyways that's enough of that i'll uh one of these days i'll see if wade will do a podcast here with me and he can tell his side of the story maybe get my dad on here too because he was there for that whole uh show (laughs) but yeah fishing during a pandemic it was uh just like any other year drive down to prince rupert there's trucks and trailers and boats all over the place the only thing that you didn't see is the ferries and people from the states around but uh for the most part it just seemed like another fishing season to me you know you see lots of boats out on the water everybody's fishing everybody's happy everybody's healthy uh yeah didn't seem like a pandemic to me uh the drive down there i love that driving through the pine pass because i live up up in uh 14th john area so i drive down across the braden road then i go to chatwin go through the pine pass then go through prince george then i don't know what the hell highway that is that i go down but you get to kind of Kitwonga, Mazian Junction, Terrace, and then Prince Rupert. And it's a long drive, but it's uh, very scenic. And Once you get onto the Skeena River, though, too, and you start to smell that ocean water a little bit, well, it's pretty hard not to put the pedal to the metal and do that last hour or two drive as fast as you can. But <laughs> no sense getting a speeding ticket or getting into a wreck. Uh, yeah, and uh, while I was there, I did a bunch of filming. Uh, for a YouTube channel there, so I got uh, some videos made up of uh, salmon, halibut, and prawns. Didn't get a video of uh, crabs. Well, I got some, but not really enough to put a video together. I'd rather have a good video that you know it's enjoyable to watch instead of just some random shit that you throw together. And then same thing with the octopus. I didn't have to go pro on, but. The only thing that you missed was me pulling the prawn trap and going, whoo-hoo, right on. We got an octopus. Yeah. Whatever. Maybe next year there I'll just keep the GoPro on all the time. and I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens and we'll see what kind of equipment I have then too. I mean, I have a year to plan for the next trip pretty much unless I go again in August. But I think I'm uh, taking a holiday trailer out and going to be doing some moose hunting in a spot where the season still opens up august 15th so hopefully i can find a bunch of moose over there but uh yeah and now too now that i'm back home i've been doing a whole pile of cooking i've been filming the cooking too uh, i think right now i got some bacon wrapped halibut bites video put up uh, i'm gonna be working on a prawn video uh tonight or tomorrow i might do up an octopus too just so I can kind of get that done and over with. That way I don't really have to worry about anything when I go back on shift here in a couple of days. But uh, yeah, that's pretty well it for uh, for the YouTube side of things. We've been busier than ever. We finally hit 100 subscribers on, uh, on YouTube today. So that's pretty cool. Somebody's going to get a free hat over that deal. Uh, yeah. But back to... Uh, prince rupert uh man the salmon fishing was just phenomenal i don't think we had one day where it was bad get out there in the morning like we would leave town not super early like there's been times where we'd have to be unloading the boat at about 
3 a.m. on the water by 4 and out there. But this year is a lot more relaxed. It's way more enjoyable when it's relaxed like that, too. You wake up at 5, you're at the boat launch by, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock, something like that. And uh, the one day we started fishing at about 7.30, and by 10, we were limited out for three people. So we had three people on the boat there that day, and, man, it was just phenomenal. And then the... Uh, the halibut fishing too that was another thing where last year i didn't catch a halibut uh for some reason during the week that i was there they just weren't biting all that great so uh this year i was really hoping to uh, tie into the halibut and we did every day that we went for halibut we just slammed them uh prawns were good oc- uh, crab was good caught an octopus like i said earlier uh, we did have issues with our pro, uh, our crab traps. It's kind of an ongoing thing in Prince Rupert where uh, some people just are thieving bastards. That's all there is to it. Uh, two of our crab traps got stolen. I think people stole Wade's prawn traps the one day too. So that's kind of a pain in the ass and pretty expensive too. Cause like the crab traps, not so much. Like you're still losing like couple hundred bucks but for the prawn traps you're looking at about six hundred dollars that you lose if somebody steals them so thankfully for us nobody stole them uh several times people pulled them pulled the prawns out and sent them back down because where we marked it on the gps we found our our buoy uh geez that one day was like a kilometer away we had to search for that one pretty hard and that's not from tides or drifting or anything like that because we uh we make sure that we're on bottom with the prawn traps so but oh well i mean it is what it is you're not gonna be able to catch them all kind of thing and lord help you if you do catch them <laughs> that might be a bad day on the water for those guys but oh well just kind of go on about life uh the salmon they seem to hit anchovy uh anchovy teasers and also the hoochie mamas or the, I call them hoochie mamas because I'm, I don't know, whatever, kind of half retarded or something. Got elk hunting on the brain. But they're hoochies, they're just little squids. Uh, they seem to kind of favor the anchovies more than the hoochies, but I, now we've caught them on both. Uh, this year they did seem to be in a bit shallower water, maybe because the water temperature was a little bit colder than last year. We are catching them anywhere between... 30 to I think 60 feet was kind of the max that we would go but for the most part 30 to like 45 feet we were just catching them all day long and we caught coho pink and a couple chinook at that depth too and uh, typically too the chinooks they don't really start running in there until kind of August August to September kind of time but we did catch uh, a couple of them, so that was pretty cool to catch them. But, uh, yeah, and then uh, with halibut, it's kind of the same thing every year. We have our little honey holes. They're all between 250 to 350 feet of water. And just use a typical halibut rig with the herring on it and butt juice that you inject into your herring. Uh, another thing that we do, too, with the herring and our uh anchovies is that we put them in like a salt water brine and then a little bit of food coloring so for the anchovies we use blue 
blue food coloring and then just kosher salt and for some reason they just they like the blue uh typically we use green this year we use blue it seems to work pretty good and then uh our herring it's the same same thing salt water brine it's just water a ton of kosher salt and then uh, this year we're using red food coloring and it worked i don't know if the color has anything to do with it or if it's just something that catches their eye or what but one thing that's an absolute must for us when you're halibut fishing is that uh is that uh butt juice pretty well like if if we don't have that butt juice we just we won't fish halibut <laughs> it, i don't know it seems to work like a hot dam if you don't put it on you can catch them but it, for some reason it seems like it it helps you out and then butt juice is pretty well fish oil aniseed oil and a few other things in there i'm i don't i really don't know what's actually in it but yeah, it works good. Comes in a small bottle, or you can get a big jug of it that you can refill your little bottles with. And there's a little uh, injection needle that comes with it. So you just fill up your bottle, screw on your little needle. I inject it through kind of the ass end of the herring, and then I go underneath the gill plate and I inject it into its stomach area too. That way, when it's in the when it's on the bottom of the water there, it just it slowly seeps out instead of just putting it down its mouth and it just kind of burps it out in one big you know blob but uh i don't know some people do it other ways it might work better one way or the other whatever you know that's just the way i do it i guess uh the fish processor in prince rupert that place is awesome uh there's two of them one is dolly's and i can't remember the other one Either one of them places is excellent. You go there, you pretty well set up an account. So then they have your, your name, your phone number, uh, your pickup date, your fishing license number, and then you pretty well just drop off your fish. They keep track of it so they know what you dropped off, what you picked up, what your limit is, and all that good stuff. And then at the end, they send you uh, with a little printout sheet. It's about, well, it's just a regular sheet of paper turned on its side. And it lists everything that you've caught, everything that's going to be frozen, packaged, and in the uh, in the cooler. And it cost a little bit of money. I can't quite remember what it was, but for all of my fish, and I think four of Dad's fish, it was like 250 bucks. But that's it was a ton of fish. It was two big coolers, right full to the top, and a couple of octopus, and I think 12 crabs. So I mean. 250 bucks for them to do all that it's not that bad especially considering once as i got home pretty well bring the coolers inside open up the deep freeze throw it all in close the door and and you're done like that's your fish is processed ready to go ready to eat like it's it was awesome because uh typically other years we just kind of put it in fish bags we have little tags that we zip tie onto the bags and then when you get home, you have to unthaw all of your fish. You have to flay them, debone them, skin them, or whatever it is that you do. I always take the skin off and take the bones out. And then you have to put them in vacuum wrap bags, vacuum wrap them, label it all up, and then freeze it again. And 
if you only caught kind of three or four fish, it's not a big deal. But when you come home with, what is it, eight salmon, two halibut, 12 crabs, 250 prawns, two octopus, like, <laughs> it it starts to become a very, very long process. And it's kind of a more of a pain in the ass than anything. Uh, but, yeah, I know Dad, he's heading back there in august so he'll be uh he'll be getting into the big chinooks that are coming up there uh most years i try to go two times but like i said i'm I'm going moose hunting in a new area that i want to check out and then uh also like my freezer it's it's right full of fish already so if i went for a second trip it would be nice just for fishing and filming or something like that but uh for food wise i'm I'm pretty well set you know I don't like to catch more than I need kind of a thing so my brother and his woman they're going down there with him so he's not going to be alone so that'll be a good trip for them anyways nice little father-son trip there with the woman uh one trip that we used to do a lot is go into uh Stewart BC in Hyder Alaska in September on the Portland Canal and in September the fishing is just phenomenal that's the best fishing you'll ever have it's a lot of big chinooks that are running during that time the only issue is the rain every September that we have gone there it's pretty well raining from the time you get there to the time you leave speaking about rain it's starting to rain here now I don't know if you can hear the rain hitting the tin roof or not but and it's not just a little rain either uh in there you're pretty well between two mountain passes and it is just a downpour it's like standing in a shower like a cold shower for a week straight you start fishing in the morning wet you come in wet you take your wet clothes off you put on damp clothes for your evening you cook up some crab or process your fish or whatever get ready for the next day clean the boat out pretty well go to bed wake up put on your wet stuff and it's kind of, it's a bit of a, a week of hell, but, oh, the fishing sure makes up for it. Once as you're out in the boat and you're fishing, you kind of forget about it, but in the mornings and in the evenings, just before you go to bed, you uh, you kind of wonder what the hell you're doing there because you're so <laughs> wet and damp and kind of cold, but, eh, you get over it. But anyways, guys, I think uh, I think that's going to be the end of this podcast here for today i want to thank you all for uh for tuning in and listening if you have any uh recommendations for future podcasts please reach out to us on uh, facebook uh our facebook page is just buick outdoors so uh yeah make sure you send us a message or comment on something or whatever and follow the page and thank you guys for all your support and continuing uh helping to continue to make this grow and get a little bit bigger and reach out to more people and hopefully uh i can take some of you guys fishing one day or hunting or something like that and we'll see what happens here in the future but anyways guys thanks for listening we'll catch you on the next one